0: The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. If you have your Bible with you, you can open it to John 19, or if you have your handout, you'll find John 19, verses 26 and 27 on the back, and I want to begin with a reading from there. We are involved in a series of lessons. It's a little bit unusual um, but I think it's a a good series called Preaching from the Poets where we are looking at biblical themes and modern music and of course we do this because we um, living in a secular age need to find creative ways to reach people with the gospel of Christ. It's also important that we engage the culture around us. In John chapter 19 verses 26 and 27 we read this. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Um, I want to begin by reflecting on the way that we think. People think differently. We're not alike We come to situations and and problems, and we don't always see things the same way. We often talk about uh, these different ways of thinking as it relates to men and women. So uh, married couples understand that, that men and women do not always comprehend things in the same way. This was explored in a popular book that was written several years ago entitled, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And that book has sold more than 50 million copies. It spent 121 weeks on the bestseller list. Why is that? It's because that we recognize that there is a difference in how we understand things. Uh, But men and women are not the only groups whose brains function differently. Sometimes you'll hear people speak of left brain people and right brain people. And so left brain people uh, tend to think logically, they're, they're good at math, they're good at organization, they think analytically. Right brain people are creative, they are artistic, they have no problem expressing their emotions. Now some people are left brain people, some people are right brain people, uh, some people are a little bit of both, that's possible too. But this is who God created us to be. We are all different and this means that we sometimes see the world differently but god recognizes our differences and this is one reason i believe there is a variety of literature contained within the bible and so those left brain people connect more with the letters of paul where paul will you know use some logic and some reasoning there whereas the right brain people might connect more with the poetry of the Psalms. When we come together on Sunday morning, there are many different types of people in this assembly. There are men and women, black and white, young and old, um, people who are logical thinkers, people who are creative and expressive. And this is why it's important for us to hear different voices. I suspect that most of what we hear on Sunday morning is, is left brain. It is logical. It appeals to the rational part of our brain. I, I tend to lean that way some. Uh, and, and that's okay. We need the logical and the rational. But we also need the creative and emotional. Half of our brain is logical, but the other half is creative. And this is all part of God's design. If we only speak from the logical part of our brain, then there are some people who are missing out, those right brain people. They're they're being neglected. And this is another reason why this series is important, because we are looking at Bible stories that we know and love, but we are listening to how the poets see and understand these stories. And so we are giving voice to our right brain members in our assembly. Our song this morning comes from one of America's greatest poets, Bruce Springsteen, is an American icon who has been putting out albums since the 70s. Um, His songs are often about ordinary, average individuals and just the, the struggles that they face in life. But if you pay attention to his lyrics, then you'll also notice that he often uses biblical imagery in his songs. And the song I've chosen for us to look at is not well known. It's not one of his popular songs, but it's one of the most overtly Christian songs he has done. So if you have that handout this morning, we'll begin by by reading the song, reading the poem. Jesus was an only son as he walked up Calvary Hill, his mother Mary walking beside him in the path where his blood spilled. Jesus was an only son in the hills of Nazareth, as he lay reading the Psalms of David at his mother's feet. A mother prays, sleep tight, my child, sleep well, for I'll be at your side, that no shadow, no darkness, no tolling bell shall pierce your dreams this night. In the garden at Gethsemane, he prayed for the life he'd never lived. He beseeched his heavenly Father to remove the cup of death from his lips. Now there's a loss that can never be replaced, a destination that can never be reached, a light you'll never find in another's face, a sea whose distance cannot be breached. Well, Jesus kissed his mother's hands, whispered, Mother, still your tears, for remember the soul of the universe, willed a world and it appeared this song is a reflection on the life of jesus through his mother's eyes and this is a perspective that we're not used to we know that mary is the mother of jesus we know that she is given a prominent role at the beginning of the gospel especially uh, matthew and luke we also know that she appears at the cross in the Gospel of John. And so Mary is present at the beginning of Jesus' earthly life and at the end. But we often do not reflect on what it was like for her to experience these events. What was it like for Mary to, to nurture and raise Jesus and to later see him be put to death? What was it like for her to cuddle Jesus as a baby and then see him beaten and spit upon? What was it like for Mary to to play with Jesus as a child and then stand at the foot of the cross? There is much that we do not know concerning the life of Jesus from his birth to the beginning of his ministry. What we do know is that Mary was his mother, that she gave birth to him that she raised him. And even though we don't have any uh, of her prayers from this time period, we do know what a mother prays for and what a mother hopes for. And that's why I like the third stanza of this song. I like how it begins. It doesn't just say that Mary prayed. It says, a mother prays. And the sentiment expressed in this prayer could have been prayed by Mary, but it's also something that mothers have prayed for thousands of years. A mother prays, sleep tight, my child, sleep well, for I'll be at your side, that no shadow, no darkness, no tolling bell, shall pierce your dreams this night. And this is what all parents want for their children. We want to protect them from all the evil in the world. We want nothing bad to happen to them. We want to preserve their innocence. We look at these children and we admire them because they don't see black or white. They don't see rich or poor. They see human beings. They love one another, and we want to protect this. We don't want them to know the world as we know it, and so we pray, and we ask God to to watch over our children, knowing that that one day their innocence will be lost, and that they will see the world for what it really is. And so parenting a child is full of highs and lows— Because when that child is born, you experience love like you have never experienced it before. You are overwhelmed with the love that you have for this child, this baby that you've just met. And a bond is automatically formed, a bond that will continue to grow and grow. And your heart is full, but eventually your heart's going to break. It is inevitable. Your child will get hurt, they will get picked on, they will get made fun of, they will feel pain, they will see evil, and they will come to mommy and daddy and they'll ask why. Why is there evil in this world? And all of these moments are worse as a parent than when we go through them ourselves. And we work so hard to protect our children, and then something happens, and and tears fill their eyes, and our hearts break. There are some things that should not be. And this week, violence has broke out across our nation, and people's lives have been taken from them, and let's put all the politics aside this morning and remember, the humanity involved in each of these situations. As I tuned into the news over the last few days, I heard a mother from Minnesota and a father from Dallas who both lost children. And I heard the hurt and the sadness in their voices. And they had spent all this time raising and trying to protect their children And then they're just taken away from them. And this is a parent's worst nightmare. And this is what all of us fear. And sadly, this is the world that we live in. And some may say that, well, the world has not always been this way. And I would beg to differ. In the days of Noah, the world was full of violence and God was upset about it. The story of the gospel is is the story of an innocent man being put to death by people in authority. Mary's firstborn son, this child that that Mary loved, this child that Mary raised, the, the, the child that she carried inside her for nine months, the child that she tucked in bed at night becomes the victim of horrific violence. And we like to talk about the benefits of the cross, but we sometimes forget the human element. Mary's child endured horrific pain and suffering while she stood nearby and she watched. And what happened at the cross is an indictment against humanity. And it shows what we are capable of, And not just Romans, not just pagans, but the very people of God helped to put Jesus on the cross. And when we allow hate into our heart, anything can happen. And Jesus commands us not to hate because he says that hate leads to murder. And what we must all do in this volatile time in our country is to each of us, every one of us, examine our heart and to make sure there is no hate in it. Another reason this song is important is because it reminds us that there was a loss at the cross. Um, This is the most famous story in the Bible, and so we, we know what happens. We understand the horror of the cross, but we also know the hope of resurrection. And if we're not careful, we'll want to rush past friday so we can get to sunday and it's important that we grasp exactly what happened at the cross and not just in theological terms not just what it means for you and me but in terms of what it meant for mary and jesus and in the next to last stanza of the song springsteen reflects on this he says that now there's a loss that can never be replaced a destination that can never be reached, a light you'll never find in another face, a sea whose distance cannot be breached. Although Jesus willingly went to the cross, he knew what he was doing. He was also aware that this will forever alter the rest of his life here on earth. And so in Gethsemane, he prays for another way. Jesus will be resurrected, but he will also ascend to the Father. This means he will never grow old. He will never be able to care for his elderly mother who may need help. He'll leave behind friends and family. And Jesus does an amazing thing for us, but it comes at a high cost. And the cost is not just the brutality of his death. It's also all that he will leave behind. And even though Mary may comprehend the mission of her son, this still doesn't take away the pain of her loss. She will no longer have her son here on earth. We experience this type of loss when a Christian brother or sister dies. We have the comfort of knowing that someday we'll be reunited. But we still grieve that they're no longer here with us. And there are some things that cannot be undone in this lifetime. If a person robs a bank, then that money can be returned. But if a person takes a life, then there's no way to give that back. There is a loss that can never be replaced. And Mary felt that loss at the cross. Jesus also understood the significance of what was about to happen. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed for the life he'd never live. He beseeched his heavenly Father to remove the cup of death from his lips. What was that prayer about in Gethsemane? We know that Jesus prayed for another way. We also know that he submitted his will to the Father. But but why did Jesus want to find another way? Was it because he feared the pain that he was about to endure? Maybe. But maybe it was because he wanted to spend more time with his disciples. Spend more time with his family. We know that the people around Jesus were dear to him. He wept at the tomb of Lazarus. He enjoyed having meals with people. He enjoyed helping others. And maybe his prayer was similar to Paul's in Philippians, who was torn between being with God and helping others. He wanted both, but knew It wasn't possible at that moment. What is obvious is that Jesus understood that he was making a sacrifice. He had competing emotions within him, but he was willing to lay down his life for the masses. And so he went to the cross for you and me. Now sometimes when a poem or song is written, uh, we have to find the meaning for ourselves. Uh, there, there are some songwriters who refuse to comment on what their songs mean, and it sometimes drives people a little crazy, but uh, Bruce Springsteen is not one of them. And so while preparing this sermon, I found some, some concert footage where he talks about this song, and this is what he says, "'The choices we make are given meaning by the things we sacrifice.'" The choices that we make are given their value by the things we give up for them. And what he describes here is the biblical definition of love. The cross is love because Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for human beings. Jesus gives a similar definition of love in the parable of the Good Samaritan. That story begins because a lawyer... Wants to know what it means to love his neighbor. And Jesus gives him the answer. It means that you sacrifice something for that person. That you give up your time to care for them. That you let them ride your donkey. That you pay for their stay at the inn. And that you promise to come back and check in on them. And this song asks some deep questions about ourselves. What do our sacrifices say about us? What kinds of sacrifices are we making in our own lives? You know, we talk a lot about love, but we only love as much as we sacrifice. I don't think anyone here this morning would say that they don't love the church. We all love the church. This is why we're here. But what have you done for the church? What kinds of sacrifices have you made for the church? What about God? We all love God. We profess it every Sunday. Okay, then what have you done for God lately? How have you sacrificed for him? What about your neighbor? That second greatest command is to love your neighbor as yourself. What have you done for those people around you? The world becomes a better place, not because we talk about love, but because we actually love. And this is what God expects us to do. The song ends by reflecting on the final moments that Jesus and Mary have together before he dies on the cross. Well, Jesus kissed his mother's hands, whispered, Mother, still your tears. To remember the soul of the universe willed a world and it appeared now this is a song about lament and sacrifice but it ends with a word of hope so in the gospel of john jesus looks down from the cross and and he speaks to his mother and then he speaks to john and one of his last concerns before he dies is that his mother is going to be taken care of and he commissions john to to do this to watch after mary and mary must have been heartbroken as she watched her son die but jesus must have been equally heartbroken as he saw his mother's eyes filled with tears and springsteen envisions jesus attempting to comfort his mother which we learn in the Gospel of John is what he actually did. In the midst of tragedy and loss, it is important to grieve and lament. Paul commands that we mourn with those who are mourning. And when something tragic happens, this should be our first response as Christians. Political pundits and talk show hosts will offer their commentary, but the world has had enough commentary, and we don't need any more talking heads. And what the world needs is compassion. They need people to recognize their hurts. They need people to listen. They need people to care. And this is our job as Christians. But more than anything else, we are to remind people of the hope is alive in jesus in the song jesus reminds mary who god is and what he has done he created this world he's still in control and we need to remember the power of god we need to remember that jesus conquered evil at the cross that he conquered death in the resurrection And that one day he's coming back to right all wrongs. And although we may live in dark times, God will have the final word. And we do not belong to darkness. We are children of light. And it is our duty to shine this light wherever we go. And so may we never fear the darkness. But instead, may we commit to shining brighter than ever in the darkest moments. Let's pray. Lord, you are our rock. You are our fortress. You are our deliverer. In times of trouble, we cry out to you. We are saddened by the the violence that has overtook our nation. And we pray for all the families and friends who have lost loved ones this past week. We pray that you'll comfort them. We know that, that you are not pleased with what is going on. And so we pray that you will use us to make a difference. If there is any hate in our hearts, please take it away. And may we unite as one people to face every injustice. May we have no fear. And may we have the courage to speak truth to power. Help us to forgive the people who have wronged us. Help us to love our enemies. We recognize that the power of darkness is strong, but we know that we shall overcome. May we shine brightly in this dark world and share the love that you have shown us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.